Hi, and welcome to Get Smart Politics. It is Monday, June 20th, 2022, and this is your political cheat sheet. We are 20 weeks from the November midterm election, and we're about 29 months from the 2024 presidential election. I'm here with Eric, the author of Get Smart Politics, and we want to talk about three huge stories that are happening this week. The first is um, maybe we'll see the opinion on the Dobbs case in the Supreme Court. Yeah, it's. we hope it's something that we'll see in the next uh, few days, but we don't know for sure because the Supreme Court doesn't really tell us when they're going to release individual decisions. But Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization is the case that is widely expected to overturn Roe versus Wade. We saw the draft opinion that was leaked and released uh, early last month that has really roiled the, uh, the political environment in Washington, D.C., and uh, there's been a lot of protests already in places all around the country. I think that that's really going to ramp up dramatically once that decision does get released. What's this going to mean for Biden's administration? Well, the Biden administration has been facing so many problems on the economic front, the foreign policy front, and this would just take that and um, throw gasoline on the fire, I think. This is going to be a huge deal no matter what the opinion is, I feel like, but it looks like, right, that it's going to, Roe's going to be overturned. I would say it's, uh, it's taken as a near certainty that it's going to be overturned because the votes just uh, are pretty solid, it seems like, from the judges that are planning to rule that direction in that, in that draft opinion that was confirmed by the court to be authentic. Um, so it could be different um, in, in the actual format of what the opinion looks like when it comes out, but it looks like the Votes are almost certainly going to be there to overturn Roe. Okay, and Justice Kavanaugh's home was attacked, um, was it last week? Yeah, actually, I think it was about 10 days or so ago, maybe two weeks, and there was a man that I believe drove or flew all the way from California um, intending to murder Justice Kavanaugh, and he was arrested outside of the justice's home. He had burglary tools, and he had a gun, and he had a knife, he had all kinds of things ready to um, zip ties. Also, he was ready to kill the justice. And um, that really made it uh, hit home for a lot of people just how serious this is. Yeah, I think that really indicates the kind of emotional uh, response we're going to see here. And um, I'm a little nervous for what's going to happen, to be yeah. honest. And, you know, just also the last week, the House finally passed a bill that they've been sitting on for a while to provide additional security for the justices' uh, families so that they won't have to be as concerned about their safety with this draft uh, being leaked. There's so much emotion tied up in this that hopefully we won't see any violence. I know, and that I know that was really controversial too, that the Senate went ahead and pushed that through when they're still sitting on um, a lot of gun reform yeah. uh, bills. So it's kind of, it was kind of controversial actually. It, it definitely was, um, but I think that everybody in the end agreed that we don't want any <laughs> assassinations to be happening. That's really not good for either side politically, yeah. not something anyone wants to have on and their it's hands. It's not good for anyone on the court to feel like their life is threatened. That's kind of defeats the purpose of what we want from our justices. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, so the second big story is, you know, you're feeling it at the gas pump, you're feeling it at the grocery store. It's the recession um, that seems like it's, you know, pretty sure that's going to come so it's pretty looking pretty bad right now uh, the odds of there being a recession this year the fed just announced earlier well last week they announced that they were going to be 
um, increasing the interest rates by 0.75%, which is the biggest jump that they've had in a single announcement since 1994. So just about 30 years. It's a huge, huge increase. And the reason they're doing that is to try to cool down the economy and therefore uh, make the inflation that's gotten up to over 8%, I think it's 8.6% currently, trying to cool that off and put the brakes on the economy. The problem with that is if you slam the brakes too hard, you throw the economy into recession. And it sounds like that's almost uh, inevitable at this point. More bad news for the Democrats, I have to say. I mean, the bear market, everything, it's just not looking good for them for November, you think? Yeah, exactly. It's This is really the worst case scenario for the Democrats if we do get thrown into a recession. Really, all the things I listed just a minute ago have continued to fall on the um, on the bad side of the ledger for President Biden and his party. If you throw a recession on top of that and job losses, uh, it would probably turn that red wave into a red tsunami. Yeah. All right. The third story that you're watching is um, hitting on that gun reform bill. Tell me what's going on. Right. We talked about this a little bit last week, that there was the bipartisan gun reform bill that was announced by a group of 10 Republican and 10 Democrat senators uh, a week ago. They, we, But we mentioned, as we talked about that, that the devil's in the details, and they still have to write the language of the bill. And that's not just a, a certainty, a pro forma thing that you just know is going to happen. There's a lot of um, disagreement about exactly how to put the meat on the bones of this. And we saw a few days ago that um, Senator John Cornyn from Texas, who was the lead Republican negotiator, uh, he announced that they were having a lot of trouble defining what boyfriend means in um, the context of closing the boyfriend loophole. And that's to protect people from domestic violence uh, offenders. But it's really hard to say who is part of your uh, household and, and who is somebody that you're dating. How do you write that in law to adequately protect the right people? Makes sense. Okay, so the House and Senate is in session this week, so I know that they're under a lot of pressure to get that hammered out before they go on a two-week recess. Right, and the, that July 4th recess that unbelievably is just around the corner um, is going to be a, a pretty hard uh, line that they're trying to hit, get anything done that has to be done before they go out of town for that recess, because once they return from the July recess, they have a very short window of, I think, a three-week stretch before going out of town for um, the entire month of August because of it being campaign season in an election year. They really have very, very limited time to get anything done. So you're going to see some hard pushes to get this gun reform bill and some other things done in the next couple of weeks. Okay, and we had um, a little bit of news as far as the balance of power in the House. Yeah, and that's something that we've been watching pretty closely because of the fact that the House is just so so tight right now. The balance is now a 220 to 209 advantage for the Democrats, and that is narrowed by one. Um, one, re one more Republican vote is now in the chamber because Connie Conway is a Republican in California. She won a special election to fill out the term for Devin Nunes, who had resigned back in January to run President Trump's new media company. Um, so that is a, a seat that she will just hold through the end of this year, and then I believe she's running for the full term next year. We also saw that uh, Myra Flores in Texas, this one got a lot of news last week, she won her um, special election to fill out 
the expired term or the, the remaining term for Philemon Vela, who was a Democrat from Texas. That seat um, was historically a very Democrat seat. This uh, lady is was born in uh, in Mexico. Is the first Mexican born woman to serve in the house now she hasn't been sworn in yet but i believe um, her swearing in date is going to be tomorrow on tuesday okay well polling looks like biden's down a couple points yeah things are not moving dramatically on the president's approval uh, and disapproval numbers but they're still not looking good uh, right now his net is negative 14 and a half percent and so he is about three points below where President Trump was at this point in his term. Again, still not looking good. Okay. And he's on vacation right now. He's in Rehoboth Beach at his family's vacation home um, until tomorrow, Tuesday. But then he leaves Saturday, and where is he headed? Yeah, he's, he's going to be taking about a six-day trip to Europe and will be attending two different meetings there. First, the G7 summit, which is going to be in Germany, and then... After that, he's going to go straight to the NATO summit in Spain. So those are two big events, especially uh, important this year due to all the things happening in Ukraine and with Russia and Vladimir Putin. Um, I think we'll see a lot of attention on that as he is there late uh, late this week and early next week. Okay, and then we have some primaries this week. You want to run us through those? Sure. One of the biggest ones I think that we'll see a lot of news about is the Senate race in Alabama. That's where um, Katie Britt is running in a runoff against Mo Brooks. Katie Britt was the chief of staff for the retiring senator, Richard Shelby. Um, and uh, she's gonna be running in this runoff against Mo Brooks, who is a sitting member of Congress. And this is, we talked about a few weeks ago, a real interesting one where he was endorsed by President Trump, but then unendorsed by President Trump because uh, he didn't feel like Brooks was doing very well. So backed out of his campaign and then Brooks surged and made it into the runoff. So now we're going to see if he's going to be able to actually maintain that momentum and knock off Katie Britt or if uh, his luck has run out and that'll be the end of his his uh, his run. Did he get a bump from Trump leaving him or was it completely something else? That's the big debate. No one's real sure. And it's kind of interesting, I think almost sad, in the past couple of weeks, we saw uh, Mo Brooks almost beg for Trump to re-endorse him. He issued a written statement that said that he would welcome the endorsement again and essentially said, I, I would love for you to come back to our campaign and re-endorse me. That, that just isn't going to happen. The president was not going to uh, do that. He's a pretty uh, stubborn guy, if nothing else. And uh, he was certainly not going to re-endorse somebody who had already backed out on. So really going to be interesting to see what happens on that one. Okay. And they have something in the House too, right? Yeah, that's right. So there's one runoff in the 5th District of the House, and that's actually to replace Mo Brooks because he vacated his seat to run for Senate. Um, there's two Republicans going against each other, Dale Strong against Casey Wardinsky. Um, and I'm not really sure how that one's going to play out. I haven't heard a lot about it, but uh, I know there's a lot of people down south that'll be watching it. And Arkansas has a primary, but it's just state and local races. Right. Correct? You may see that there are elections in Arkansas tomorrow, but it's a runoff, and there were no runoffs in their um, Senate or House races. So we don't need to worry about that for federal election purposes. All right. Move on to another southern state, Georgia. Yeah, Georgia is having runoffs as well tomorrow. 
Um, the Senate doesn't have a runoff because those races uh, all made it through in the primary at more than 50%. But there are a few races in the in the House that are really going to be interesting to watch. Three different races that went to runoffs that are really important. And part of this is due to redistricting. So the second district GOP primary, um, you're going to have a candidate that was endorsed by Senator Cotton from Arkansas and Senator Hawley from Missouri um, face off against another candidate that doesn't have uh, a lot of public backing, but performed pretty well in the primary. This is to um, go up against Sanford Bishop, who's been there for 30 years. He's a 15-term incumbent, but his district, as a Democrat, he's been there for, for 15 terms, but his district is now redrawn to be D plus three. So that's almost even. And with, as we talked about earlier, possibly a red wave or even maybe a red tsunami coming, yeah. this one's definitely uh, in the crosshairs for the Republicans. Interesting. Then the sixth district, um, you have a, a real interesting Donald Trump endorsed uh, primary candidate versus a Ted Cruz endorsed primary candidate. Um, so a couple different wings of the GOP going up against each other. We'll see where that one comes out. But the the seat itself is heavily Republican. It's a R plus 24 seat that is currently held by a Democrat who elected not to even run for re-election in the seat because the redistricting was so bad for her. Um, so whoever wins this is most likely going to be the new member from that seat and, and will be one pickup for the Republicans. And then the last one is the 10th district. Uh, you'll have... Mike Collins, who um, is a son of a former member of Congress against Vernon Jones. This is to replace Jody Heiss, who ran against the Secretary of State in the primary. Um, you may remember Jody Heiss was a member of Congress who is heavily uh, Trump-backed and was trying to take out Brad Raffensperger, who President Trump blames for um, not fighting against the election results in Georgia enough. Yes. And um, Raffensperger trounced Heiss in that race. But this is the race to uh, replace him. It's an R plus, plus 31 seat. So um, you have President Trump endorsing uh, Vernon Jones, who is one of the challengers here, and then Governor Brian Kemp endorsing Mike Collins, the other challenger here. So you've got a real head-to-head -head battle between the two um, absolutely opposed sides of that, uh, that argument in Georgia. And it, I think there's going to be a lot of attention paid to who wins that one because they were very even in the primary. Okay. And then our last, another Southern state, Virginia. Yeah, Virginia is another one that had a lot of redistricting shakeups. Mm -hmm. There's 11 districts in Virginia. There's two that are really, really going to be interesting to watch. Uh, first of all, they don't have a Senate election in Virginia this year, so we're only looking at the House. And these are not runoffs here. This is the only state tomorrow that's not runoffs. This is the original primary. Um, so in the second district, it's... Uh, looking like the, the current incumbent, who's Elaine Luria, a Democrat, is in pretty big trouble for the, the general election. The new district has a, a, an R plus six district. Now, for a Democrat, that's looking pretty bad in a good year, but in a year where the tide is moving against you, it's gonna be really hard for her to hang on to that one. And then the seventh district is a D plus two district, currently held by Abigail Spanberger. She's um, somebody that gets a lot of attention in the, the D.C. press because her district is right outside of D.C. Um, I think that you're going to see a ton of money poured into this race in the fall because she is so well known within the Beltway. Plus, um, it's such an even split district, a D plus two district, and it's a prime pickup opportunity for the Republicans. So both of these are certainly going to be very, very heavily contested. 
in November, and a lot that that means a lot of people are running on the Republican side and pouring tons of money into it. So um, we'll certainly want to keep an eye on who wins those tomorrow. Well, thank you. I hope that gives you guys something to watch this week, and we'll see you next time.